0: Yeah, we will. OK, so uh, welcome everybody. This is Monte Soka. Uh, you're tuned into the affordable housing advisory board meeting for June 12th. Uh, I'm going to take the role and we'll get started and call the meeting to order. So uh, just uh, this is the order I'm going to uh, call votes in as well. So just uh, respond and then I'll mark you here. Uh, Karen Willie. Here. Sarah Waters. Here. Nicholas Ward. Here. Phil Engelhart. Here. Mark Bueller. Here. Christina Gentry. Here. Erica Zimmerman. Here. Dana Ortiz. Here. Shannon Aury. Not here yet. Thomas Howe.
1: Here.
0: Trent Santee.
1: Here.
0: Monty Soakup. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. 11 members, so we have a quorum. Oh, oh, Edith Guffey, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I skipped right I'm over here. you. Edith <laughs> And we're glad you're here, Edith. All Thank right. you. I'm so sorry about that. It, we'll, we'll be good if I don't miss someone or mispronounce somebody's name. today. we'll, you know, we'll call that a success. So um, Okay, so with that. Uh, the meeting's in order, and I'll have uh, Leah read our like opening statement and ground rules, and then we'll go from there.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Good morning, everyone. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear during the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on if you have any trouble you can send me a chat a few notes on public comment when the chair calls for public comment individuals attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak the podium can be raised and lowered and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand feature to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Individuals will be called on in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. Please state your name before speaking. All comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, and now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. Sukup.
0: Thank you, Leah, and with that, we will open uh, the floor for public comment. I don't see anyone in the room. Is there anybody online?
2: I don't see anyone okay,
0: seeing no one online we're going to close the public comment we'll move on to item b which is approving the minutes for may 22nd 2023 i would accept a motion to approve or so we have a motion from thomas howe to approve the minutes
3: second
0: a second from mark Bueller. any comments on the minutes questions see anybody online no questions i'm going to call the roll Karen Willie approve Sarah waters approve Nicholas Ward approve Bill Inglehart Mark Bueller approve Christina Gentry yes Erica Zimmerman approve Dana Ortiz
4: approve Edith Guffey approve
0: Thomas Howe yes Trent Santee yes Monty soakup Uh, Approve that motion passes 12 0. With that, we will move on to our item C on the agenda receive the presentation on housing and homelessness strategic plan and affordable housing focus area strategies. Um, I would just encourage us to uh, watch this presentation, take notes on like strategies that might be applicable to our goals. Uh, and take some notes because in a couple meetings down the road, we're going to be um, working on our on strategies for our goals. So, we'll need to be able to pull those back up. <laughs> My memory's not that good. I don't know about yours, but I'm going to have to take some notes. So, um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to, I believe it's Gabby Sprague is going to present. I'll turn it over to Gabby.
5: Hello board members, um, yeah, like uh, Mr. Sukup said, my name is Gabby Sprague, I'm the Douglas County Housing and Human Services Program Manager, uh, Leah, before I get started, I can share my screen and provide the presentation, um, trying to find you here.
2: That would be great, thank you.
5: Okay,
1: great. Um,
5: All right, and like Mr. Sue Coop said, um, I'll be presenting today on the Lawrence Douglas County Affordable Housing and Homelessness Strategic Plan, specifically the affordable housing um, piece of the plan. Can you all see this okay? I just want to make sure before I continue. Okay, got it. Thumbs up from Dana. Um, a little bit of background first. So, this the steering committee that has um, comprised the, the planning of the um, housing and homelessness uh, housing and homelessness plan uh, was convened by KDADS in April of 2021 for a housing summit. And all of the stakeholders here were present in that meeting and continue to be a part of this space. Um, we do need to update this here, I think there's actually quite a few more agencies involved at this point. Um, it's, it's a very large uh, collective impact effort, I would say. A little bit more background, so many of you are familiar with the needs assessments that we did in our community through the Corporation of Supportive Housing in May of 2022 and the KU CPPR, Center for Public Partnerships and Research, um, June 2022 needs assessment. Through those, we were able to identify focus areas, um, those being equity and inclusion, um, I have some notes here. I need to look at my notes for all of those. So we have equity inclusion, supportive housing, affordable housing, systems, and emergency shelter. Um, and those were some focus areas that we came up with uh we being the steering committee we came up through the needs assessments and from the steering committee uh we formed work groups surrounding all of those focus areas um we took two members from the steering committee and made um groups based off of those focus areas and those two facilitators then reached out to community members and other agencies that were um, appropriate to the work and we've been able to come together and develop of this uh, five-year plan with these focus areas and like i mentioned i'm going to be talking primarily about the affordable housing one today the goal of the statement of the steering committee is to develop a strategic planning framework that addresses homelessness and the need for affordable housing solutions throughout douglas county That's the steering committee statement. And then the overall objective of the plan is by 2028, create a system that achieves functional zero through policy system and environmental changes, resulting in all Douglas County residents having access to the fundamental human right of safe, accessible, attainable and affordable housing and which homelessness is a rare and brief occurrence. Um, One, another part of this is recognizing that we need to focus on certain disparities that we see in our community and across the nation regarding um, these low-income populations. I'm not going to read all of these off here, but we are thinking in each of the sort of focus area plans um, about these populations and making strategic goals to fit the needs of these populations here. And a big part of that is engaging and empowering individuals with lived experience in all aspects Aspects of planning and programming. Um, the Equity and Inclusion Focus Group, which is actually meeting right now in tandem with this group, um, has been able to receive some grant money to ensure that we are engaging um, people with lived experience in the process and the planning process of this, and also as we continue to implement this program or this plan. Um, And I would also say that the equity inclusion work group is also working with Douglas County, um, who has a policy in the works to pay folks with lived experience to contribute to this work. As I keep mentioning, we have all these priority focus areas. I'm going to talk about affordable housing today. Um, Thinking about the housing continuum, this has been present in city commission meetings, um, presented on, but the affordable housing piece is primarily in that affordable rental housing, affordable home ownership, and market rate housing portion of that housing continuum that you see here. I'm gonna be talking a little bit about um, area median income limits here. Um, So I just wanted to put this on the screen so you all could see this before I quote some numbers at you um so this is annually determined by hud and in the affordable housing plan we determined that these were good income limits to use um, when thinking about uh our goals of developing affordable housing so the overall objectives of the affordable housing focus area plan is by 2028 increase supply of affordable rental housing for households at the 30 to 60 percent area median income by 1500 new units under the 30 percent range uh, we have 375 units and at the 30 to 60 percent range we have 1125 new units and of the above units at least one third will be two to three bedroom units recognizing that we do not have um enough uh units at that level of bedrooms Um, i would say that some of these objectives were pulled from the last housing study that i want to say was in 2018 Um, another part of the plan that we've talked about is doing an updated housing study so uh, one benefit of this sort of plan is that it's a living document and i think these numbers could technically be updated by a new plan uh, but this is what we're working with currently By 2028, increased supply of affordable homeownership housing for homeowners at 30 to 80% AMI by 400 units. So increased supply of affordable housing, homeownership units at 30 to 60% AMI by 200, the 60 to 80% by 200, Um, Specifically at 30 to 80% folks who are um, seniors and people with disabilities by 200, and of the above units, 25% will be four to five bedroom units. Again, recognizing that we don't have a lot of units that are those um, amount of bedrooms. As I just mentioned, uh, we um, need to do a longer term plan as well. So another objective that we have is by 2028, develop a longer term housing strategic plan. And then another piece of this, in addition to the development of affordable housing, it's also um, establishing system changes that realign power imbalances preventing access to or development of affordable housing. Um, And I'll talk a little bit more to that as we go through the specific strategies here. So these are the strategies here. I think this is what Mr. Sukup is talking about when uh, talking about doing notes, Um, as you can see here, who is responsible, affordable housing advisory board shows up a few times. Um, So that might be one of the more pertinent ones that you all take stock of. But I'm going to go through each of these here. I'm not going to go through every single action and who is responsible and by when it will be completed and what resources are needed. But I do want to know um, who is responsible Um, It might be something that you all take stock of and also what resources and supports are needed. Um, And I'm gonna talk a little bit about um, how staff and volunteer time comes up quite a bit in that. So the strategy one here is provide grant subsidy for new development of units, two to three bedrooms. Um, And I would encourage you that if you have any questions about any of these, um, I'm going to open this up. I think a, a good portion of this should be some discussion and questions. So I'll open this up at the end here after we get through all of them. strategy two is increase permanent affordable housing stock by identifying and acquiring parcels and units for the community land trust and future affordable housing developments Strategy three is provide recommendations to land development code update steering committee for code updates that allow for flexible, time efficient, and cost-effective affordable housing development. Uh, Some of this work is already being done with your staff member, Leah Roslin, and also Rebecca Buford of Tenants to Homeowners uh, through that code update steering committee. Strategy four, this kind of gets up to that objective um, that talks about system imbalances or system power imbalances. So established establish tenant legal representation. Um, oftentimes in eviction court, landlords um, have um, uh, re- legal representation 80% of the time, whereas tenants only have about 3% of the time. This is a tenant legal representation is a program um, in many other communities that um, have shown to be super successful at keeping people in their homes. Um, so this is one of those things that would, um, be one of those system changes. Strategy five is established source of income discrimination protection enforcement. Uh, again, uh, this first action here is ensure passing source of income discrimination protections that has happened. Although I know that the city of Lawrence is in the courts with, um, somebody right now discussing this. Um, I do want to say that that has been in effect since the first of june Um, so another goal here would be working with the human relations commission city staff and city commissioners to construct um, programming around that ordinance again this is another one of those things uh, as far as the system imbalances Strategy number six is establish a vacant structure ordinance, which would allow city of Lawrence to seize or otherwise remediate the issue if a property is left vacant and uninhabited. We have pending HB 2083. Uh, this was the bill of the State House that was going to preempt this. That did not go through. I don't think it came out of committee, although I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, I don't think it came out of committee. Um, so we no longer have to worry about that, at least in this year. Uh, but that is another strategy. Section. Strategy number seven is recommend establishing an incentive program within the city of Lawrence to encourage new affordable housing development. Um, this could include waiving building and development review fees, providing property tax abatements for the creation of permanently affordable units and expedite permitting. Uh, there's quite a few other communities that have incentive programs like this that we can look to, which is why the first action step is research. Strategy number eight is create plan strategy for researching and acquiring funding sources one time and sustainable. Um, We have uh, Melissa Nolte of Kansas Legal Services, who is a grant writer for Kansas Legal Services, um, had a particular interest in heading this uh, team that would research grant opportunities and see what our community can apply for. Strategy number nine is develop plan for ongoing community engagement to support affordable housing efforts. I think what we found through the community listening sessions for this plan that many of you attended um, is that these were really important and a good um, a good action step to take in engaging our community and making sure that everyone is aware of what's happening and why every all of this um, is happening. Um, so we wanna continue that um and continue to engage our community about this plan as it gets implemented um so that's why the strategy is uh, a strategy strategy number 10 and uh, this is the longer term plan develop 10-year community housing plan um create and recommend schedule for ongoing housing assessments again that's that piece that we haven't had a housing study in a minute um and it would be good to do that again and then I want to talk about why there's five strategies in one, uh, one um, slide here. So a big discussion that we've had, particularly amongst Leah and I, uh, but also with the group as well, and we're going to continue having this in this next meeting here, um, is capacity. There's a really, this is a really good plan in my personal opinion, um, but there's a difference between having the perfect plan and being able to implement it. So uh, we have these strategies in here as things that we think should also get added to the plan and should also be done in our community. However, uh, it's to be determined what exactly these action steps are, recognizing that many of those action steps that you saw in the last 10 strategies required staff and volunteer time. And there's only so many folks doing this work. So um, I think part of um, our community's role is stepping up and seeing where everyone can fit into all of these things. Um, All of that being said, we don't have any action steps for these five strategies here, and we'll be discussing this at the next monthly meeting as to um, what we're thinking about regarding these strategies. So I'll go through them here. 11 is create permanent and sustainable diversified funding sources for the trust fund. 12 is develop targeted programs that increase racial equity and affordable housing access, and home and land ownership for black, indigenous, and other people of color experiencing housing disparities. Um, i will say that that one is kind will be kind of implemented across the board with all of the strategies um, even if it's not a specific strategy even of its own Um, again going back to those uh, priority populations that i noted at the beginning of the presentation 13 is create increased opportunities for community ownership of land and property for low-income community members 14 is develop incentives to prioritize affordable housing as a community benefit for new city of Lawrence annexation approvals. And 15 is increase community capacity for permanent affordable housing development by identifying and supporting an additional community housing development organization and community land trust. But that's pretty much all of the um, strategies. And I think it would be appropriate to open it up for questions and discussion. Um, again, Leah, Rosland and I both facilitate this space. So I wanna open it up for uh, questions and discussion and maybe both of us can answer them. Um, don't know everything about this topic. So um, if anyone has any questions or discussions, that would be great.
0: Go
6: ahead. Bill uh, Engelhardt. I, I didn't I didn't get all the way through this and I appreciate the fact that that uh, you noted some of the strategies that I didn't get that I didn't get through. I have one fundamental question to start with that goes back to the first slide in your presentation. And the question that I'm trying to clarify in, in my own mind is can we arrive at some consensus figure of the number of units that Ahab, in the form of the sales tax increment, has contributed to through the 2023 funding cycle? Can, can can we get a number that that a benchmark number so that when I hear other people in the community throwing numbers around about this and that and the other, can can we arrive at a consensus number? of the number of units that Ahab has contributed to through the 2023 cycle.
7: This, this I'm sorry, Thomas Howe, Lawrence Porter Realtors Representative. I expect that that would not be particularly difficult because we've, we have the records of how many projects we've funded. We know the completion rate. We know what the bedrooms which the proposal had, and I think that's probably what our discussion has been around, how many bedrooms are we providing. So that would be a baseline, and I think that that should be not, I, it should be attainable, should be accessible to us, I would think.
2: This is, late.
7: is there. Okay. I mean, I just,
6: yeah, I mean, I like to see units and bedrooms because when I talk to people in the community, they talk, you know, I hear some w- pretty wildly different numbers, or at least in my interpretation of numbers, they seem wildly different. So mm-hmm. if we could just come to a consensus on units and bedrooms, I, I, from my perspective, that would be beneficial.
2: This is Leah Roslin, affordable housing administrator. We have reported on the number of units that the trust fund has um, funded. I can read those off. There may be some disparity in the numbers that you hear, because um, the city has funded the development of affordable uh, housing projects not through the trust fund. So if you hear other numbers of how much has been supported, that that could be the disparity. So um, the total number of units funded with city funding and support um, since the trust fund was established is 643 units. Total units funded with affordable housing trust funds is 566. They don't have the bed down, 566, yeah. Total permanent affordable housing supported with trust fund is uh, 160. Total supported through trust fund with 30 year expiration of affordability is 483. Total completed permanently affordable is 38. So um, we, we have that data. I don't have the number of bedrooms in front of me, but um, we have reported that. And if members are interested in seeing that a different way, I'm happy to provide that.
6: Yeah, that, that that sounds good. I mean, I, I, if you if I could get that email some summary of that, that'd be great from my perspective.
2: Sure. And just to remind the board members and any public who might be watching that we have a dashboard that has that data online as well. Um, so I'll be sure to send the link out as well. Okay. <laughs>
8: This is Christina Gentry. Gabby, thank you for the great presentation. Um, I wanted to hone in on capacity, um, because as we're talking and uh, looking at the slides that you have presented us, it looks like affordable housing um, advisory board is listed as some of the ownership and some of that work. Um, I feel like that's uh, a great opportunity for us as the board to dive in to what that looks like and to divide up that workload um, in any way that we can. I think we are also looking at our own uh, strategies and goals. But Gabby, what do you see and what do you envision and imagine as what capacity could look like from the members here and HRC as we're talking about um diving into two, uh, you know, strategies number 12 through 17 um, specifically, but also all the strategies, and then how could you see that um, membership being somehow um, as a, representata- a representation in that space? What would you see as being optimal success for those strategies to get um, completed or move forward with the AHABS uh, and HRC's contributions?
5: I think a part of this plan is, um, so we haven't really discussed in the monthly meetings, who's gonna be sort of frontlining this. Like we have these strategies and so one to three, um, this person is responsible. And I think it will be through having that and doing that exercise that we determine um, who's gonna be reaching out to who. I don't know if I feel confident in um, assessing all of those various parties' capacity myself, um, and I think it would be through conversation uh, with those parties that we would determine that. And I and I think uh, uh, a good if we're able to pinpoint exactly, you know, like I said, it, this is a really great plan, but can we implement it? If we can pinpoint why we can't implement it, I think that will be another good. Um, a good move forward for our community and recognizing you know where we might need some additional staff or um, volunteer hours towards these endeavors Uh, but i think strategy one like provide grant subsidy for new development of units two or three bedrooms ahab is already doing that Um, some some of these um things are already being done already uh so we just have to make clear like what's already being done um and where uh, you all can fit in as in your roles as board members into these strategies. I'm not sure if that wholly answers your question because I'm, I'm not sure to a degree.
8: Right. Thank you.
6: Mm-hmm. Can
0: I, can I one more? Sure. Um, you have to ask me. Let's <laughs> <Just> go.
6: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> another question that I had going going through, the, the as much of it as I got through, was have any notions been advanced beyond, yeah, very far advanced, in terms of additional funding sources that that we might be looking at. Uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, additional funding sources that we might be looking at. Grant subsidies, I think, is the term that you used. I mean, have, have we got any any picture of, of Potential avenues there, or are we still just in the, the fuzzy grant subsidy stage? So, if that question didn't make any sense, disregard it.
5: No, it definitely makes sense. Um, I mean, Ahab as a grant provider provides subsidies, but looking for more, I think, will be a part of the grant team that we'll be developing through strategy number. I think it's eight. Um, Yeah, so strategy number eight is create plan strategy for researching and acquiring funding resources. And I have some in the back of my brain, um, but I think it takes that, it will take that team bringing it all together and approaching the appropriate parties to um, apply for those grant funding, apply for that grant funding. I also think, um, oh, which one is it here? Recommend establishing an incentive program uh, within the city of Lawrence. Um, along with that would go, you know, if there were any other sort of uh, mechanisms by which we could get more money to the trust fund. Um, I know that's in here somewhere. I can't remember exactly where, but um, getting more money over to the trust fund through other city uh, allocations would be um, somewhere to look at as well.
2: This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator, and just to tack on to that is a reminder that we're, we just, this is still technically a draft plan, um, so the implementation of the strategies haven't really started in earnest. Um, some of these things, as Gabby discussed, are already happening. Like the AHAB is already providing grant subsidy for new development, for example. Um, but the process, you know, we took, I don't know how long, six months to develop the draft. Um, then we presented the initial draft to both the city and county commissions and started doing a number of public engagement sessions and getting feedback back. Our plan initially was to present a final draft for approval to the commissions in uh, June and July, but we are um, taking a little bit longer to incorporate the feedback that we received from the community and take another look at our strategies, our action plan, make sure that we have um, the capacity to implement according to the timeline and the action steps. And then we'll go back for approval um, to the commissions this fall or winter. Um, So all of that is to say that, um, yeah, I guess, we haven't really started the implementation at this point we're still looking at finalizing the plan and now is a really good time if you all have recommendations for how um we might um improve the affordable housing component or you know how the ahab could um have more of a role in this plan now is a great time for that as well
3: okay mr chairman yeah uh, mark Bueller. I have a question about strategy six, uh, makes a reference to seizing property. Why is that different than condemnation? Can anybody help me with that? We have condemnation authority. What's, Jeff, anybody?
7: As we have, I'm sorry, Thomas how Lawrence Board of Realtors, representatives, as we at the State Association of Realtors have looked at these kind of issues, the challenge that we have is, if you are a homeowner who chooses not to live in the house or rent the house out, but you're taking care of it, this does not give you the, uh, this this uh, ordinance would say, too bad, we're gonna deal with it for you, even if you're taking care of it. And so it gives us a pretty substantial amount of heartburn. I, I can understand if you have a distressed property or if you have a property which uh, has, has been Ignored and, and let be run down. That's a different element, and that's where what you're talking about, Mark, might come into okay. play. I'm, I do not understand why an ordinance is necessary for uh, taking properties which just aren't inhabited. Because you might choose to own a property and use it for something different, it's not inhabited, right. and now because of this type of an ordinance, city can come in and say, Well, we're, we're uh, it, it, now we're going to be responsible for it.
9: This is my eyesight's not that well. I was trying to read from across the room here. What number is that one?
3: Strategy six, I wrote it down real quick. Mm-hmm.
9: The vacant structure
3: the
4: vacant ordinance.
7: Structure ordinance.
4: I did look briefly at uh, Wyandotte counties. And it, and they just have what I saw so far was just a registry. And you were expected to register uh, for free the properties that were not being inhabited at that time. I don't know what happens with it beyond that. That's, that's as far as I got in my research. Oh, OK. I don't know if that's if that's a first step. Is you know if people are registering those properties and we have a way to understand why people aren't living in homes? Is it a matter of not having the funding to keep it up, or some other reason? Um, I'm just I don't know that I'm against that. I don't know uh, enough okay. about it. I just um, was looking to see what other communities
9: are doing. Condemnation has a very specific state statute about when you can invoke it and how you can go about it. And there's some very narrow, very narrow parameters, correct, on those kind of things. For vacant structure ordinances, there's typically a little bit of a wider ask on that one. Like you reprogram or ask the county to reprogram how uh, taxes and arrears are applied and so how it goes to sales on those things. And it also talks about, you know, is there a way, that um, some municipalities in some states also go so far as to say is look you know if you're willing to sell it to us we will take care of the taxes on those kind of things that way it's it's a way of getting through the housing and getting getting to a structure and helping the individual out of out of a situation they may not want to be in if it's uh you know a lot of structural repair that they don't want to deal with or it just uh you may have inherited it and you don't want it. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that it goes about it. But for, for condemnation, there are very narrow standards in state statute in which it can be applied. Okay. Thank you all for kind of
3: clarifying it. Yeah, I I probably wouldn't be excited about that myself. Um, and, and actually, we can do all those things today. Private citizen could call them. Actually, the city or county could call them. Um, and having been on the county commission i remember the infrequent uh, property sales we had tax sales which are onerous and problematic and all that but it is something you can do so okay thanks for the clarification
6: i'll make one comment there personal experience my wife worked on vacant structures and vacant structure ordinances in wyandotte county uh, fair percentage of time for about five years and they made very little actual headway beyond the registry, partially for the reasons that that, that Thomas noted. Uh, But there are things, for example, the property sale thing, uh, that they moved fairly aggressively on and and helped to turn, and and Wyandotte County and Douglas County are two different beasts, (laughs) but they, they, they were able to to make some inroads, but in terms of, of the 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 wider problem, uh, you know, there are still a lot of issues. That's a difficult difficult nut there. All right.
7: Thank and, you. And, and I will grant the Wyandotte County in in terms of abandoned properties and mm-hmm. uh, properties which are in disrepair. It, it's a much wider problem. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
10: Right.
2: This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. And just to um, add some more, I guess, nuance to that, different communities have the ordinance written in different ways and when as we're thinking about this we're certainly not thinking of a way to penalize or seize property of homeowners that are paying their taxes that are maintaining the property um and we are certainly not interested in penalizing low-income homeowners who don't have the means to um maintain the housing up to code and so if we do look at such an ordinance we'd want to make sure that in and tandem with it, we have some sort of fund that we're helping low-income property owners to be able to maintain and stay and uh, maintain their property if that's what they desire. Some don't, some feel so underwater that they'd like to get out of it, a way to get out of it, and um, perhaps just some sort of um, fee for homeowners or property owners that are leaving the property uninhabited, other communities use those fees to feed into their affordable housing trust fund, knowing that we need a valuable housing stock and that if there's housing sitting vacant, not being utilized, that that's helping the community in some way. All of those are details though that would need to be figured out in the writing of the ordinance through many, many community engagement sessions, through discussions with our commission um, in a way that makes sense for the Lawrence market looking at it from a, a an equity stance um so that again it's not disproportionately penalizing people who that we are trying to trying to ultimately help
0: mm-hmm. this is monty soka uh, justice matters representative i guess um i like the plan i think it's a good plan overall i am have real concern about how we get it implemented in the personnel and manpower and, you know, yeah. along with restructuring the committees and all that stuff that's going on right now of how this actually gets done. Um, so that said, I guess, you know, I, that's that's my biggest concern with the plan is how, how it happens because there's a lot of great ideas there and a lot of good work that's gone into this. Um, but still have to do the work, so... All right. Any other comments? If not, we'll move on. I see anybody online? Okay. Thank you, Gabby. Appreciate your uh, coming today and presenting that. So, good work on that. Thank
1: you, board members. Yep.
0: All right. So we will move on to the next item, which is review and consider approval of the NOFO uh, materials for the 2024 Affordable Housing Trust Fund awards. So um, I'd like to do this all at once if we can <laughs> approve all five documents, uh, and uh, if people have comments uh, or have something they want to discuss, I think we, need, we just bring that up. If you have, if you reviewed it and you have minor edits that you could just give to Leah, you know, if you want to change a comma uh, is to an R yeah. or a. <laughs> uh, Something like that, uh, I suggest you just give those to Leah and we don't spend a lot of committee time. If you have a substantive change, substantive change? Substantive? <laughs> yes, there you go. That word. <laughs> um, let's certainly have a discussion about it.
4: Uh, Mr. Chair, I yeah. would actually make a motion to adopt all of these, approve and adopt all of these five documents since we've spent the last two meetings pretty extensively on. Mm-hmm. It. And we have to approve them at this meeting. So um, <laughs> knowing that, I, I would like to, um, to ask that we as a, a committee commit to simplifying all of these documents for the next round. Um, as, as someone who, who writes grants, I find these to be a pretty heavy lift. Um, so I think that's something we can look at. We can't do that for this meeting. And we've, I, I think what we've been able to put together Ask, asks the questions that we need answered. So I would make a motion unless you're not ready.
7: And, and I would second that motion with the proviso that we do work on the simplification. <laughs>
4: right. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. I move to approve the 2024 Affordable Housing Trust Fund Notice of Funding Opportunity, Application, Matrix, and Key Project Elementals Chart.
7: Second.
0: All right, we have a motion and a second. Is there any discussion?
3: Anybody have anything they want to? Yeah, just a comment. I agree with everything that's been said recently. I would like to figure out a way that we could, and maybe we can, but we don't really know, figure out if we grant this money today, when is the likelihood that we'll have units in the air and people living in warm houses? And I, I know that has to do so, with lots of things. Yeah. Um, we're but, not granting
4: any dollars through this. We're just we're putting not, out yeah. the notice of funding.
3: No, no, I know. I right. know but, so. but when it gets to the criteria that of all the rules, one of the things I'd like to talk about in those, in those ton of things that mm-hmm. are on the application is
7: how fast do they when, hit what, the road? when
3: can and this go and i think because time is money
7: <laughs> i think perhaps nick is in the in this room at any rate in the mo, in the uh, best position to answer that from the time that tenants to homeowners is granted funds to the time when you turn over the keys to its new inhabitant how long is that <clears throat> From and I know that there is a yeah. range.
11: I, I recognize that. So Nicholas Ford with uh, tenants to homeowners. So that, like you said, that's a big range and it varies. I would say typically just the component of us constructing a house, from uh, beginning of pulling permits to the house being completed and sold to an owner is usually between um, seven and ten months. Um, and. Lately, there's been um, more than have come up before other, um, not conflicts, but like um, uh, roadblocks in that process, um, like things that you don't necessarily know of ahead of time. And we're working with the city to be able to identify some of these things more readily and earlier on in the process. But right now, for instance, I'm working on releasing, working with the neighborhood to release a restrictive covenant. And that can take anywhere from one day to a year to do something like that and then that would have to happen before you get into all the engineering and all the other stuff that's gonna follow that so um, in a perfect case scenario and the funding is available and everything's ready to go I would say it could be seven months in a not ideal scenario you in a smaller project you might be looking at two years before from acquisition to uh, folks moving in if it's land that you're purchasing. (coughs) That's different than if you're buying an existing house and doing minimal rehab. Right, and
7: and presumably, even when you're buying land, hopefully there's infrastructure in place already, and so you don't have to run water lines and right. ut- you know all
11: the utility, sewer and all those things. I, well, I n- didn't mean to hijack the motion. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I did. I but, didn't mean to. But so it's a range, and I underst- Like I understand that there's uh, often community frustration with that. The other thing that happens is if we're trying to do something. Um, that is newer so for increasing density in a piece of land we're increasing where we're increasing density well you might have a sewer line and water line and some of these other things already running to the existing unit but if you're putting four more units on there all of that has to be increased and there's additional time that's taken with implementing greater density in a space too so those those are considerations as well but um i know just like everybody else we would like to get those units built as soon as possible so our, our waiting lists right now um are larger for both rental and ownership than they have been in the past all right thanks i think trent wanted to
12: inter- uh
1: yeah real quick trent santine mark on our last round of applicants we discussed it like during, during the application process. And mm-hmm. it, it was a little, maybe you you could ask for it to be a larger part of the scoring matrix, but we did discuss feasibility and timelines with all the applicants. And some of the applicants actually, um, that was a big part of the reason why they lost out on funding was because um, the timeline of their other funding, they didn't hit. And so when they missed that mark, we asked them to, hey, come back when you have your other money ready. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this is chair. And chair. Actually, last time we had a project that was under construction and they delivered units within months of funding because they were already under construction and needed additional funding. So it's, it's the gambit. <laughs> so good question for interviews, certainly. Yes. All right, any other discussion? I don't want to cut anybody off. All right, seeing none, I'm going to call the roll. And I see that Shannon joined us as well. I think, yes. <laughs> So, um, Okay. Karen Willie. Aye. Sarah Waters. Yes. Nicholas Ward. Abstain. Phil Inglehart. Yes. Mark Bueller. Aye. Christina Gentry. Aye. Erica Zimmerman. Aye. Dana Ortiz. Yes. Shannon Ary. I abstain. Edith Guffey. Yes. Thomas Howe. Yes. Trent Santee. Yes. Monty Sokup. Yes. Motion passes. 11-4-2 abstentions. All right. Good work, people. Yes. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a lot of work the last couple of months, but I think we're in a good place, and I agree. We get it simplified a little bit, streamlined yeah. a little bit. Uh, next round so okay um review and consider providing feedback oh no schedule a special uh, affordable housing advisory board meeting for october 2023 to discuss and provide recommendations for the 2024 affordable housing trust fund grants um i believe that
2: uh oh shoot
0: we have the nofo Wait, we got two things here. It looks like schedule the meeting for October 23. Oh, we just got to. Okay. So we, I think Leah sent out a uh, doodle poll and picked out maybe some dates that uh, work for everybody.
2: This is. Is that okay? <laughs> this is Leah Roslin, affordable housing administrator. The most popular time was. Monday, October 16th, from noon to 1:30. Um, from when to when? So actually,
3: well, 1:30. It
2: it looks like there are two there are two times. Now that I look closer, that um, nine members are available. Um, so either Monday, October 16th, from noon to 1:30, or Tuesday, October 17th, from 1 to 2:30.
13: mr chair this is sarah waters at ku i did not get that filled out by the deadline i apologize i could not make a tuesday meeting at all so um i will likely be able to make the monday so if that was also nine members i would prefer that and i will do my best i'm hosting an all-day conference those three days so i will from for big 12 schools so yeah please monday and i will do my best to be there tuesday i absolutely could not be
0: Okay, any objections to the 16th? None.
7: No. And is that 12 to 1.30, is that?
0: Okay. Okay, Monday, October 16th, 12 to 1.30. I would accept them. Do we need a motion for that or can we just set the date?
7: I
3: accept your chairmanship. <laughs> We're on.
0: Okay, so I don't think we need a motion to establish that date, so October 16th, and would you say the time was noon to what? Noon. noon, yeah. Okay, any, any other comments? Going once, twice? Okay, here we go. Item four, uh, review and consider providing feedback on the proposed city board and commission realignment. Um, so I would open that up to anybody that wants to comment on that. Uh, uh, are they giving? I'll a, comment. Just, I'll comment on
3: it. <laughs> one extra job or two.
0: But I'm, I'm a
3: little confused on.
0: No, that. I'm conf- I yeah. So I think the proposal basically is to put some of the responsibilities with the uh, what is it Human Resources, Resources Commission, really? and then to put the award of the funding responsibilities with a different group which is which awards funds for other income sources so um, personally as I looked at that I think that's problematic in the fact that you separate the knowledge from the the knowledge of the issues from the decision on the awards of funds because if the if the group that's doing the awarding doesn't have any knowledge of the issues and what the important issues are and and the impact of these things i don't know how they can make a good decision funding that's my inherent uh difficulty with what's been proposed
8: perhaps this is christina gentry um perhaps monty um and then maybe leah could go into detail because of, as i read it it was the fiscal responsibility or the stewardship that would be uh granted another right another board that that is to be named i i can't really uh, pull that up to see but that they would be the fiscal responsibility as in taking ownership of those grant funding being positioned where they were supposed to be as a decision of the board so maybe there's more questions that could be answered there but as i read it it was just uh, like an allotment that would be as the charge as that new commission as that combined commission not so much as deciding or a board governing where those monies go. So maybe there, maybe that in reading that I was misunderstood. Um, I thought that the the board and commission realignment looked to be uh, strong um, because we're talking about capacity as well. And I know the human relations commission uh, does a lot of the work that we also do. So that was mm-hmm. there's some overlay and there's some intersections there that makes sense to me.
12: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, but maybe more, as I read it, I didn't see that 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 board would be um tasks with allotments of what what the funding would be for ahab's recommendations
0: so so where do you see this nofo process that's like our one big function of every year of awarding those funds where does that land where does what what group does that function
2: this is leah roseland affordable housing administrator that under the proposed structure that would fall under the new board that would be responsible for allocating the special alcohol funds, the trust funds, and the sales tax audit funds, is what it reads to me and other folks on staff that I've checked with.
3: Yeah, we're on three boards now, right? So this is all our board. They'll dissolve uh, this Okay. I read it. Let's say we all make the cut. This could
7: be dissolved, yeah. Yeah. We have
3: three boards.
7: Two. 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 So fiscal stewardship and equity and inclusion. Those are the two boards that they have gets merged into yep could, could i make some comments yeah <laughs> uh,
6: I, I had put together a a rough there is a meeting on thursday uh right. first listening session at the carnegie building on thursday and and i had put together a a very rough uh uh letter uh, uh, that Express that I think expresses my thoughts. Very rough, very wordy, but you know, I, the way I see it, that draft proposal takes away the expertise that the, the, origi- the, the statute that developed AHAB at the beginning purposely embedded the expertise of tenants to homeowners and Habitat and Family Promise and so forth and so on. And then they tried to balance it with people from Douglas County and and, you know, city people at large and, and the and the border realtors. You know, so they tried to, to do a, a democratic balance thing. You know, there are there are inherently some, some potential conflicts of interest when you have, you know, people applying for funds. Everybody gets that. But but you know, that that structure seems like it it's Works reasonably well. I mean, I know there have been some issues in the past, but it seems like it works reasonably well. So my questions are basically: What are the motivations for these proposed changes? You know, uh, is is the governing body and and the city commission unsatisfied with the with with the way that Ahab is functioning? Uh, you know, what are what are the perceived weaknesses? Can we see some specific examples? You know, uh, you know what? What is the rationale for 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 doing this? I I think those are fair questions, and I think something that that uh, the, the this restructuring board really hadn't thought about, and I'm speaking from my own personal perspective here, is that one of the reasons why I was attracted to this board out, outside of my my deep. Compassion for affordable housing was that it actually wielded in a power structure form, you know, some actual input. If 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 you separate the 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 fiscal component from the ethical component, you're devolving, you know, willing participants down the power ladder to where you're just another person. Who who is making you know I forget what Shelley Arnstein's term was, but you, you 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 are reducing your civic participation level down potentially, and I just wonder if 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 they thought about that as they went through this restructuring. I would propose as an alternative, okay, very roughly, okay, that they leave Ahab alone, that the proposed structure, rather than putting it in one of the. Uh, boxes, the strategic plan outcome areas, that they move it to safe and welcoming neighborhoods. You know, I quote, quote, provide opportunities to lead healthy lifestyles with access to safe and affordable housing and essential services that help them thrive. That's exactly what Ahab is, that that is exactly the mission of Ahab. Why doesn't it go into the outcome area of safe and welcoming neighborhoods? i'll shut up
2: this is leah roseland affordable housing administrator and i am going to ask jeff to help clarify and expand this a little bit but my understanding is the intent of the of the um, committee looking at this was to get just one board under each uh
9: strategic plan commitment area is that correct I'm not the expert on that committee it's one of the few i don't serve on, but I believe that to be the be the intent was to try to find ways to uh, combine those expertise and those resources so you didn't have a lot of overlap and didn't have a lot of kind of missing opportunities and um, yeah i I think uh, Christina made a very good point about there's um, human relations and you have a lot of overlap and and so just kind of find ways to make that work is is the intent and the hope and this is just also the recommendation. This is not a, the final thing. They're just trying to get the first, you know, throwing it out there. Let's see how everybody thinks about it, retool that, and come back to it, probably is how I was looking at it. So, this is just a first take on it, not exactly the, the end product, is my understanding. It,
3: isn't the perception there are too many
9: boards? I believe that's the perception that the. the feeding
3: information to the city commission?
9: Yeah. I believe that to be the case, yes.
11: Okay. This uh, Nicholas Ward with or Nicholas Ward. Um, I mean, one of the things I thought about in looking at this is that already within Ahab, um, we find ourselves constructing um, subcommittees, essentially, to deal with some of the topics that we have, because there's already so much for us to consider that we need to go levels more just with the body that we have to tackle just the work we have, and I think. Um, Mashing up groups that 100% need to have full focus on what they're focused on including affordable housing including uh, equity and inclusion that. um just sprinkling in like pieces of knowledge. I, I agree, like I think this board could even be more robust. So it's you're not just getting kind of one representation from a few different groups of concerns um, would be great. So there's more impact for some of the conversations that need to happen. But I don't think that there needs to be less of a knowledge base and less focus, especially if affordable housing is becoming a community priority um, that. Um, we really we we have more work than we can do. do already, and to eliminate our focus or the amount of time we can spend focusing just on affordable housing would, I don't think, would be a service to that initiative.
8: So perhaps um, I know that there was a survey. This is Christina Gentry. Uh, I, perhaps there was a survey that went out. Uh, District-wide, I mean, everyone, uh, not even associated with the board, all community members, all uh, residents, all uh, of uh, all folks were able to sound in on the survey that went out beforehand, and then there's a collection of our responses here today. Um, maybe there's some clarification of what that work would entail, um, because as I'm reading, as the Affordable Housing Advisory Trust Fund, the sound, under sound fiscal stewardship, it, they would be responsible in in this space in this idealistic space responsibility for distribution of funds under sound fiscal stewardship so does that mean that that we as a board or you know the affordable housing advisory board and human relations commission uh would continue on with our NOFOs as we have done work and then another board will be responsible for making sure that money was allocated correctly Or yeah, there's more questions that I have on that too. So as I'm reading it, it says the responsibility would be for the distribution of funds, not to create the matrix or the rubric or all the things that we are doing. Um, So I'm just kind of confused on how those works would be allocated and who'd be responsible for each.
2: This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. I think, that I think when they put responsibility for distribution of funds, they were just simplifying the process. The under distribution entails coming up with the goals, the targets, the NOFO, the application. So essentially, um, there would be all, all all of the boards and committees as we know it would be disbanded and new ones would be created with new members and new charges. Um, and so a new, brand new board under sound fiscal stewardship would then be responsible for the distribution of the funds, including prioritization, the NOFO, the application process, et cetera, for the trust fund, special alcohol funds, and the sales tax audit
3: committee work, which yeah. so, thank you for that, So assuming we were all appointed to this new committee, we would have three committees worth of work. Is that the idea?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, as I read it, it would be the the responsibility of simply the trust fund component plus the the overseeing of the other community grant funds, so that the policy work of the AHAB would then go into the the new equity and inclusion board merged with the Human Relations Commission. And then the grant-making work of the AHAB would then go to another board. So essentially the policy work, the understanding of affordable housing issues, community need would likely be discussed under the new board under equity and inclusion. So then how, are the grant, how is the grant-making board then becoming informed regarding the need, um, community strategy, et cetera. Um, for supporting the strategies for funding Mm
3: -hmm. okay I'm I am completely confused (laughs) and I so I'm slow but if if it comes to if this is perfect this really you know once we figure it out this is a great way to do it and and so there's going to be a sound fiscal stewardship board right okay and let's say everybody on this committee is on it. Okay? So, welcome to the first meeting. Will our job include all we have been doing, or will it be a piece of the duty that we have been doing?
2: It'll be a piece of the duty. It'll be the grant making, the, the trust fund allocation. Process. So
3: we just pick the winners and losers in October, whatever that time frame is, and then how do we know the rest of the stuff, who?
2: Correct, right, so I, I think that's the concern that's been expressed, is that the adaptive work of affordable housing, which is it, is, it takes adaptive leadership. they are complicated and complex I still don't issues. know what I'm doing. <laughs> right, and it takes a long time to learn. Community needs strategies, all this. So the adaptive work of, of affordable housing work is being separated from what is being seen, in my view, is the technical work of grant making the grant making is just a process of allocating funds based on an application received that can be done sort of void of the
3: adaptive community so okay so we just make the award and in addition to that we also make an award for what do we do with sales tax audit committee
0: and you'd be if you're on that board, you'd be awarding those funds as that, well. That's
3: what I mean. We're going to award yeah.
0: these funds too. You're going to do multiple processes for that, awarding
9: that particular one. Also, don't sit on that one. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, uh, really just reviews and audits things. They don't actually make awards and grants. They just review to make sure that the funds are being expended in terms and agreements that are in place for however those funds are collected.
3: So that'll be a board of three accountants. <laughs> I mean, in my world, it would. Okay, which I'm
9: not and don't want to be. Right.
3: Oh, and special alcohol fund, now we're going to do that too. Right?
9: Good, and that one is pretty well allocated on its own accord, so there's not a lot of, there's not a, a process particularly with that one and a lot of these boards also meet at they don't meet at monthly intervals, they'll meet quarterly, They'll meet. so there's a lot of different frequency in there, but again not on either of those, so can't really go in. So and,
3: it'd be so pieces and parts of two committees and part of the committee that I now sit on
0: something like yes, yes. Right. I'm gonna uh, Trent's been waiting I'll let's give Trent a chance to jump in here and then Eric very
1: good trust T, uh, Lawrence Lord rip I was just letting that kind of play out organically because I was kind of on the same page trying to understand um so it sounds like we're splitting ahab <clears throat> excuse me we'd be splitting ahab uh, the trust fund allocation would be the steward fiscal part um and then the let's just say the rest of the work would be the equity and inclusion part Is there any guidance or expectation on how they split the board? Um, Like what members go where is the idea that, I mean, is there any indication of that or who goes to do what side or do they have to reapply or like, is that all to be determined?
0: Yeah. From my understanding, it's a dissolving of basically all the minor boards and then a reappli would be a reapplication of repopulating the new boards. Maybe with the exception of human resources, I don't know, because it's an existing ongoing board, but it- I don't think it's a splitting of our board. I don't think if you yeah. have a seat on this board, you're not guaranteed a seat anywhere else. Yeah. That's the way yeah, I okay. I would
3: understand. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would too.
0: Okay. Erica, go ahead.
12: Erica Zimmerman, Lawrence Habitat, I would just offer just a little bit um, different view. I was kind of intrigued when I saw this um, split out. I, um, I hear the adaptive and technical challenges, and I understand that, but I feel like we focus a lot of our time on the NOFO and the application, and maybe that'll change now that we have gone through all this work but um, i was kind of excited to see the split out so that there could be a group that focused solely on housing policy and housing ideas and house and creation ideas um and just some other work that we haven't got to in all of my time um at habitat so i think this provides an opportunity to maybe delve a little bit deeper into some of those things that we thought we were going to be doing it a but because of a lot of different reasons we haven't quite been able to get there yet so i was kind of intrigued and a little bit excited about the changes
0: thank you erica
11: anyone else this uh nicholas ward i i mean i'm kind of i want to hear f- from um I guess i would want to hear from someone on the human relations commission too, and see uh if this if what their workload looks like and if bringing in the conversation of affordable housing and all the things that we need to talk about in that if that impedes the the amount of work they're doing or if it's if it gels really well and it's could kind of be seamless because there are lots of overlaps but then there are some kind of like policy based considerations and like what we're doing right now dealing with the the new zoning code that um, would a little bit be of interest and in some cases wouldn't be of interest maybe for that group but they need full attention and a knowledge base to help steward those. um, So that's one of the, the things that enters my head.
4: I'd say other than the Planning Commission, Ahab is probably the one that really needs enough technical background of its members in order to do good work. I think that's uh, maybe maybe more so than other commissions. I'm not familiar with all of the boards for the city, (laughs) Uh, so that's just one comment. And the other is, I don't know what the Human Relations Commission does. Can we ask for a little bit of a lowdown? I I mean, I I watched some
8: of the meetings and um, I'm intrigued by the real engagement with community because it's, you know, they're really dealing with civilian work. They're taking in any complaints and looking those over and and making strategies to address them. Um, That's really the the extent of my knowledge. Um, Only because their eyes on me as <laughs> though I knew <laughs> I what knew the Human Relations involved, Commission exactly No, no, I mean, I, I'm involved with the um, the chair as it was a source of income was being pushed and we talked about those conversations, right. And but um, as a workload exists, I'm not really sure. I would encourage everyone to maybe watch some videos that come on YouTube just like ours does um, because I, I am also part of the, the public, I'm sorry, <clears throat> the Public Incentives Review Committee and our our commission our committee is waning in and it's in its attendees and so we oftentimes don't have enough to, uh, to make a vote because we are under a uh, commission or under committeed and and so I think that that adding more to that body of work would be great um, but yeah I think my question would be like when would this come into place it, these conversations that we're having right now does that make there be an objective change? Are, are we still in the process, or is this something that is we talk about it, but it's going to continue to roll on regardless? Uh, so that would be my question too.
2: This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. A couple of um, a couple of things. First, regarding the charge of the Human Relations Commission. Um, the commission works to eliminate discrimination in employment, public accommodations, and housing by accepting, investigating, ruling upon, and resolving complaints within the city limits of Lawrence. So historically, that, um, that commission has um, just, if there are um, concerns regarding discrimination based on protected classes and housing, employment, or public accommodations, they're the group that hears um, those complaints and makes rulings on them. Um, And then they did lead up the um, source of income non-discrimination ordinance policy. So I think that was a little bit of a, um, um, they stepped into policy work in that regard um in terms of christina's question regarding the like is this already happening <laughs> what do what can we do at this point or um and i'm sorry i see your hands up but i just wanted to note to the board that there are a couple of additional community engagement opportunities that um, folks might be interested in attending so june 15th and june 16th there's both an in-person and online version um the um, i have requested that either the staff liaison or somebody from that committee attend the ahab to let because the ahab recommendation is different than all of the other recommendations and that it would be split in two and um, the response was to decline that invitation and encourage members to attend the public sessions um, and so at this point um, you know the city commission has not made a a a formal decision they haven't approved the recommendation so there are still opportunities to hear feedback and potentially that group would make changes and so um, i would suggest that the ahab could uh, just as individual members attend those public engagement sessions to give your feedback or the ahab if you all wish could um you know make a make a joint statement as a board um, to send to the committee or the commission if there's consensus
0: okay i think we got edith thank you leah i think we got edith waiting here on
10: yeah uh, i'm a uh, slightly concerned about the either or um that were either financial or policy because i don't think they can be totally split um, they're they're always interwoven because policy always impacts finances and splitting them as if they are two separate pieces I think really does send a message that I'm certainly not willing to send um, or even imply now we may have leaned too heavily on one as opposed to another and I think Erica has a point there but um, splitting them does send a different kind of message.
0: So. A question, would, uh, you know, I guess we could, as a board, potentially make a statement. I don't know exactly where that goes, but if we could choose to. I'm not saying we have to. I'm just saying we could choose to.
8: And Monty Soko, um, could we... Uh, make a recommendation letter as a board. I mean that would right. require us getting back together and being more special meetings. but I think it's important because of all of the things I've heard here and the questions, I think it's r- relevant to kind of say what it is we've been saying in this space right now mm-hmm. and for the commission to know that uh, these are concerns that we have uh, for what it's worth.
6: I, I agree with that that. And I think we need to propose an alternative. It's fine to say that as a board, we think these are the weaknesses in 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 this proposed restructuring, but but we need to uh, we need to provide an alternative. And my my feeling is that it that the work that Ahab does. A- and and I call it affordable housing, and and ethics is is how is how I look at it. But but the work that done, I think it fits very neatly into safe and welcoming neighborhoods, rather than being split into <coughs> the other two outcome areas that that are uh, are strong welcoming neighborhoods. In fact, like I said, th- there are words in that in that mission statement that. Uh, can read them there. There are words there that say exactly what we're trying to accomplish here. I think.
4: And Phil, would your recommendation include that whatever the future AHAB board would also be the Board of Zoning Appeals, the Board of Building Code Appeals, and the Historic Resources Commission? Because I think the idea is to have one under each of these headings.
6: I, Since I don't know what it, I mean, I only know in a very general sense what those three boards do, I, I, I couldn't I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine you get, you know, Board of Zoning Appeals and Alt Planning. I mean, you look at the Planning Commission meetings, they run till midnight. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, how are you going to add this to that? I don't know. Planning right. isn't on that list. Planning's not on there. Okay. But, I mean, you look at some of those, the work, I mean, we always run out of time at two hours. Seems like.
6: Well, I, uh, I but a question here. How often do those three, uh, uh, boards meet the board of zoning appeals sign code board uh how often do they meet
9: board of zoning appeals and sign code board are the same board so depending upon the agendas they will typically meet monthly uh so there may not be a sign code board every month but there's typically a board of zoning appeals every month the historic resource commission also meets monthly and the building code board of appeals is almost a, as an ad hoc it has to meet once a year but only meets if there's a business to be had
11: okay um, can I chime in oh, real quick? Yeah, go ahead, All right, Nicholas Ward. I was gonna. I'm just thinking about this and that um, the splitting of these roles w- within what is the, the currently the Affordable Housing Advisory Board. I think we're just getting to the point right now, um, with we with our listening and our understanding that we realize that the applications that we're developing in this because we have the other component that would fall not under sound fiscal stewardship but under equity and inclusion in a way is how we need to make the what we're developing is the application more accessible to on one hand uh, people who are developers in the community and make it so that Um, The application is easier for them to approach when they're not in the world of doing this work and some of the questions they're seeing on those applications aren't unrecognizable of how to approach that and they have Leah of course to to contact and reach out to to have some guidance through that Uh, but then also other other groups who would want to be a part of that work of um, working on housing without the one hand of hear of the equity and inclusion the part where you would hear um, essentially what is the human relations commission component of what needs to change or be shifted or improved or evolved about that and then the other part which would be fall under founds fiscal stewardship which would shape and then award based on those things without those two hands talking to each other i think we're we wouldn't be going we wouldn't be getting better at that process yeah, and uh, so I'll, I'll just leave it there, but that was, I, th- I think we're just getting there, and it takes a while in shaping all of that, but we're getting closer to a process that's going to bring more players to the table when it's about who's, who's developing housing, and especially as we bring on um, incentive packages and things like that, which we're hoping occur that we'll be getting uh, more people to the table.
4: Mm-hmm. So, I think as the, sorry. Go ahead. I think as the NOFO process gets streamlined, that will take a lot less time from this commission and hopefully less of Leah's staff time also so that the board can shift more to policy work and then keep those two hands together but not be so skewed towards the NOFO. Mm -hmm.
0: So Leah, if we were to try to develop a letter or some comment or opinion, whatever, when would we need to have that? submit to or Jeff either one I mean could we develop something and review it at our next month's meeting or is that too late in the process to have any impact
4: could we empower the chair to work Mm -hmm. with Leah to draft that letter
7: (laughs) I think the question. Has to do with, <laughs> I think the question has to do with does the
2: one on one second, please. I'm sorry. This is the Rosalind Affordable Housing Administrator, Mark. Do you mind muting yourself,
0: please? So when would we need to? Oh,
2: sorry. Thank you. Sorry. And then just note that Trent has his hand up. So okay. I, I believe that Jeff is looking for the timeline.
0: Okay.
13: Can I just jump in on this? And the, the very best way to affect policy is the fact that we have money to allocate.
7: Absolutely.
13: And right, I mean, because those two things go together, we prioritize the things that we say are our highest policy concerns for people who've been disenfranchised. And so divorcing those two things, I mean, can really kind of create a conflict. Like another body's gonna say what the policy is, but then right, Ahab's gonna say where the money goes. I mean, that is a, it's very disjointed and and I mean I would really aggr- disagree with that yeah
0: thank you Shannon uh, Trent's got his hand up there
1: Trent yeah. um, Trent Rep. Um, I guess to me it just comes down to in like in layman's terms are we essentially saying that the equity inclusion board would like Maintain the scoring matrix and set the policy of what the scoring matrix and that is and then the other board would then take the scoring matrix and use that to to listen to the presentations because that doesn't seem that disenfranchised to me because I I personally feel like we should have our scoring matrix and our system set up to where essentially anybody could look at it and objectively say okay does that meet the criteria there's a point there's a point and it, it looks like we've made great progress in getting um more to that essentially set up and and i guess to me that doesn't seem like that big of a deal that you know as someone said earlier that the accountants jokingly would be the ones to to do the scoring matrix because as long as the people who are maintaining the matrix and deciding what it is are um knowledgeable then i feel like that should speak for itself this this is that's a big option that that's how they're going to split this yeah
2: this yeah. is leah roslin affordable housing administrator it, it would be um shocking if if that's it. so the way that i understand it again is that the grant making board would be responsible for the whole grant making process including developing the matrix setting priorities etc the um, THE EQUITY AND INCLUSION BOARD OR ANY OTHER BOARD WOULDN'T HAVE THE AUTHORITY TO um, PUT WORK ON OR DELEGATE THE PRIORITIES OR GOALS OF ANOTHER BOARD.
1: OKAY. THEN I GUESS I'M JUST CONFUSED ON WHAT, HOW THEY'RE GOING TO SPLIT, LIKE WHAT PART OF THE advisory BOARD'S ROLES ARE GOING TO GO INTO THE EQUITY and INCLUSION BOARD?
2: so i think that the leah roseland affordable housing administrator the policy work the policy recommendations so for example if we're looking at the um, housing and homelessness community plan affordable housing strategies that were presented earlier um, so the strategy around maybe tenant legal right to counsel or um, Protection or enforcement of the source of income, non discrimination, that would be in that equity and inclusion group. Okay. Whereas the funding, right, the granting of the subsidy would be done in the sound fiscal stewardship group.
9: Okay.
1: Okay. That makes sense. But like I said, I guess just to me it just as long as um I don't know, I guess it's just so confusing just to, to have to process what exactly the splitting of views will be. But um thank you.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're no uh Jeff, do you had a-
9: yeah, to the to the board's question, I don't know if they're going to have a meeting after that, but I would anticipate they would probably have a meeting following up after their comment that they're gathering this week and this the questionnaire they have runs through the 30th of June. Uh-oh. So there's still quite a bit of time. So I, I would say is if the commission if the commissioners would like you to participate in that digital questionnaire to get your thoughts and feedback up to that other board for consideration. I think that may be the most quickest and prudent way to do it. I'm not sure you'd have time to reconvene and review a letter in time for that to be considered if that if that June 30th is the moment they stop taking the input to start the deliberation may not have time to meet for that one. So I would just say is that digital questionnaires online and can be filled out by anybody. So you may want to take advantage of that.
6: Okay. Thank you, Jeff. One one comment on the digital questionnaire. Mm -hmm. It it, the way it's structured because I I thought I would put my comments in there. I've done it. And the way it's structured doesn't lend itself to uh, in-depth arguments or or presentation. uh, In in my opinion, so it's not a vehicle. I don't think that we can make a very coherent statement through. I don't. I don't think. So
0: yeah. So you can always. you know write your commissioners you can write the city manager you're welcome to send anybody in the city a letter <laughs> at any we, time as long as we say well, I'm you're representing yourself right yeah okay. that you're representing yourself and that may be one effective way for people on this board should you decide to take the time uh to do that um because i'm not it doesn't sound like we're going to get a unless you unless this board grants someone the authority to write a letter, oh this is the letter you wrote, right, um, for us to review at some point. Uh, I don't know that we're going to come up with something right. in time.
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we can I, all agree. I
13: would be in favor of authorizing Monty to write a letter on our behalf because I think us speaking clearly with a unified voice is stronger than each one of us trying to fill out some check yes or no. Do you agree? Don't, you know, kind of balk. I mean, I've looked at the survey and I agree it's not that great. And so I'd be in favor of trusting Monty to write you know
3: a letter saying we do not support this um and we think it will impede our work mr chairman yeah go ahead um i want to be a part i want to be a part of the solution and so i guess i i need to understand the reason i mean we it, we all interpret the reason why the city wants to go from 22 boards to whatever um but I want to understand that reason. You know, maybe, maybe we don't know it, but we're part of the problem. <laughs> I mean, I, I get a little paranoid when when they all of a sudden, you know, we're gonna do something different. And I think, like, hmm, maybe it's me. So <laughs> and I, I'm talking about myself, I'm not talking about the rest oh, no. of you. <laughs> so so I want to be a part of the solution. I wanna hear why they wanna do it and why they think our concerns can be addressed about about whacking up the things we're doing to get to a decent end so at this point i don't want the board speaking for me because i don't i don't know what i'm talking about yet um but if, if the board decides to make a statement um that's that's fine i just i don't think we're ready for that my opinion
4: i i think what we're hearing is not here's Here's the problem with it, and here's the solution for it. I think we just want to put forward that the uh, the equity work and the dollars behind it is a powerful combination, and we would like to see that maintained. Mm-hmm. How they do it, they're, they're weighing a lot of other things I don't right. know th- that I don't think we need to dictate. Uh, but I think that's kind of the basis of what I'm hearing. Though I, I, I know Erica had a different perspective, and I, I don't want to say that everybody has said the same thing.
0: Right.
8: So this is Christina Gentry. I imagine the uh, scope of the work is done by outside consultants um, gathering up all the information that if any of us contributed to the many opportunities for us to do that online um, and then kind of came up with their own plan as it looks. Uh, is that how this structure
9: was was worked through? No, there's no outside consultants. It's being done by, by the mm-hmm. city manager's office and the city clerk's office. Okay.
3: It's other so cities t- don't have this many boards that's what they're looking at
9: y- <laughs> yes I'd say this is it is a bit unique to Lawrence and how many boards yeah. that it has the first city of its size guilty
12: <laughs>
9: <laughs> it's called civic participation yeah. Well, yeah
8: and so with that being the, the s- city management, there'd be more opportunity for there to be opt for changes to be made and adjustments be made as according to each board's representative or what letter of recommendation we or something we get together to compile to make say that this is what we recommend and not jumping to solutions but moving towards what adaptive work we could do to create something that could say this is what we see as key components to the work we're doing already and we don't want that this structure to change as you see it but maybe Give us something else to work with is that an option that the city commission or city management would also consider
9: it would be it would be the city commission ultimately that's the the convener of the the boards and commissions review as part of that and i don't know the answer to that off the top of my head to be honest with you um, you know i think there's a lot of great questions that you all have asked but i think it's probably you know at a level or two down from where the that review is currently at because they're just really that Fifty thousand foot look at the moment. And they haven't quite gotten a little, a little more granular in in the review. So I don't I don't know the answer to that question. Thank you.
0: All right, I'm going to try to wrap this up and move us on. Um, I'm not super comfortable writing a letter for this board. <laughs> Love y'all, <laughs> but we have a lot of varying you know opinions and viewpoints. I'm going to. Uh, I guess hope and suggest that the city commission watch this segment of our meeting that we can maybe make that kind of recommendation. And that they would see our comment firsthand and hear the concern about you know on either side of the argument. I'm personally going to write a letter. uh, You know and send it and I hope you guys uh, others of you would as well and fill out the survey to the best you can I filled out mine. You know with whatever 140 words or whatever it is that let you they let you use get your you know get the strong points across first that's all you can do. you're not gonna make a long-winded argument you're gonna get get a few points across and get the important ones out there that are important to you so uh, with that I'm gonna unless there's anybody else that has any strong desire to comment I'm gonna move us on to the next item <clears throat> all right thank you everybody for the discussion there uh, important issue certainly and one I hope we can have some impact on. Uh, Okay, last item on the regular agenda is five, and that is to consider a letter of request for CIP funds for the Going South project. Um, As you guys may recall, this project came up in one of our uh, NOFO processes. A private developer trying to make application, was not really successful in filling out the whole uh, application and really did not get awarded any funds. But it is, uh, in my opinion, it's a pretty interesting project. Um, So they have basically uh, the developer, uh, uh, through some counseling from us, uh, connected with tenants to homeowners and Lawrence Habitat, to figure out you know help them get through that process and figure out how to make an application uh, and because the CIP funds since we didn't have the uh, process developed for the CIP funds in this year those funds basically got deferred to next year <clears throat> so we don't have anything to award right now so there's no there are no CIP funds so for us to award at this point because that process is down the road so um there's a couple things we could do with this uh, recommendation um we could uh we could basically tell this applicant to apply in the regular nofo process and award trust funds and not award cip dollars so they that was one option that would be available to them uh, we could forward this to, uh, and I don't know who it would go to, Leah, but or Jeff. But we could forward this to be submitted in the next CIP project for tw- process for twenty four. Uh, so that's those are two options, and it could actually do either because you could probably get through the nofo process and learn whether you got funded or not, and then go to the CIP maybe, or make make a parallel. Mm-hmm uh parallel applications and see if you get funding one way or another Uh, my gut is that's what we probably should do is advise them of their options Uh, because otherwise this is an out of sequence funding request for us and in the past we have basically told people without a sequence to come to the nofo we award funds uh we've tried to do it that way there was an exception to that i'll note that But uh, that's generally where, you know, we've tried to go.
7: Mr. Chair, if I could make a comment. Uh, When this developer brought us their project without having the expertise, without having the knowledge of the process, Mm -hmm. I think we all felt very pleased that we were having a private developer come and make a presentation to us, even if it was not. And we encouraged them to continue to learn more about the process because we felt like it was was a good intent, that it was... uh, it was put forth in good faith, and that it was a project which had merit, we couldn't do it strategically at that point. I think we need to continue to encourage the developer to work forward with this, and I think that we've got to figure out how do we fit it within our current structure.
8: Mm -hmm. Um, This is Christina Gentry. Um, Board, if you recall the sub, uh, as we talked about, or just right now, but the, the SAB application um, came to Ahab with the request for, I think, $300,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, with that with that c- application, it was incomplete in some of its um, requests to add info. And it had a 2021 pending lawsuit and litigation that they were still running through Um, and then when I probe further into the info we asked for more info as what that litigation was and also Asking for more equity inclusion pieces to that. Um, I recall receiving, as you all did, like 471 pages that gave information of additional info. While most of that auxiliary included, like, tenants and homeowners independence, Inc., giving us more info um, and public support documents that came from New Horizons. Um, the contextual for that information began at SAB at two, page 289 and ended at 301. And I was reading into that because I was really concern or wanted to know more about the litigation um, piece. Um, and in that piece, <coughs> excuse me, they talked about af- making 20 affordable units be proposed made affordable to qualifying households. And the households would include both renters and homeowner- homeowners. Um, so the, the project in itself was conceptual in its process, and it required building permits and platting at that time. So I would, you know, really want to know more about that 2021 because there were three counts that were still pending. One was negligence, count two was nuisance, and count three was trespass to land by water. And so I wanted to know, you know, if that was still something that was pending, um, because as I'm reading on, I, I read into some of the lengthy documents, which include a exists and construction calculations. And I'm not really uh, verbiage, really consulting my, I had to look up some of those things. But the conclusion was there's no significant concerns, uh, but there was needing to be a retaining wall to confirm, to worsen the tension basin. Uh, it would just seemed to me to be a construction that was going to be environmentally uh, not sound. Um, I don't know if there is still something going on that they've created those pending walls. So. I would want to know if there was any the city approved requirements and, and approved any permits since then, and if they have been talked to by Garber and and the other people involved in that litigation uh, after 2021. and If there's some updates on that, because I, that, those are my concerns of uh, placing something that was already in a situation that problematic for some of the residents there there being a litigation that seems to me to be a little problematic but what has been done so far and what has been uh, moved so far so that we can understand more about that litigation
2: This is Leah Roslin, affordable housing administrator. We don't have any updates, although those are great questions, Christina, but um, we don't have any updates. And one, I'd say the main reason is because this isn't a formal application, right? He's just submitting an out of cycle letter of request. And so based on that, we don't have the same information that we get out of an application regarding, you know, what litigation might be going on or what permitting has happened. Um, really all we have to work off or what the board has to consider is the letter at this point. So that would be my concern about even supporting a letter. Um,
8: and I, I, you gave, Monty gave some great recommendations of what we can do. Mm-hmm. But those are my concerns reading it back into this application. Because I, I did give it a good once over and once yeah. over again uh, to make those considerations, uh, to really do some real deep diving into what consideration would look like um, for recommendations from from my perspective.
4: Do we have great clarity in the community about what applications, like, is it only through the NOFO? Do we also accept other things? I mean, is that known? Because I don't want to waste people's time coming forward for um, an out-of-cycle, if that's not something we considered at all. Uh, But I don't know what the history is, and I'm not sure that I've seen that in writing in terms of how we communicate to the public when we accept applications and when we don't.
6: Good question.
2: This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. And I guess a couple things. We do have a policy regarding when out-of-cycle applications will be accepted. Um, And it's a very vague and broad policy. But um, it's one that, to date, the commission has been happy with. Um, And I I can look for that and pull that up. But um, with that, we have had continued conversations with Mr. Saul. Monty and I and some others that are on the board. And so over the course of the last two years, I mean, we've probably had half dozen to a dozen conversations with them. Um, And and I did explain to him that this is an out of cycle request. And, based on discussions with the chair, it was decided to go ahead and have the board at least discuss it, even though it was communicated to Mr. Saul that it was an out-of-cycle request that the board didn't have the authority to allocate or recommend recommend allocation for CIP funds at this time. Um, and I'm. So, I apologize, Mr. Chair. I, um, I just wanted to note that um, Ms. Zimmerman and Mr. Santee have had their hand up. Yeah,
0: Trent's got his. Well, Trent talk, and then who else?
1: Uh, yeah, Trent Santee Lawrence Humboldt Road. I just want to clarify that this is a request for the CIP recommendation funding, which is again different than the regular funding, which we saw the. Uh, The process didn't really work out for uh, a private developer in that process and we've kind of made comments that we we were working towards bettering that process. Um, I think personally that the CIP funding would be a very quick way to do that. I think that's part of how this even got uh, started is that when we say, uh, when we found out we do have CIP funding, we made that available to people. The process didn't play out quick enough for him to take advantage of it, it sounds like. But he's asking for money for an, a a, a, road, a street that's next to his property. It's not actually on his property. So this is, a, is in my mind, a very uh, simple and quick way that... Um, say we did have the funding available now to help private developers overcome some of these obscure developing costs that happen on infill development. I mean, just to clarify, this street is next to his property. It's not actually on his property. So the city's asking him to put that street in. He has the city to put it in, and now we're here. But I just feel like this is a very happy medium uh, on that, um, on, on how we can encourage private developers and help uh infill development and other things that are uh, we're trying to achieve and i'd also want to just clarify that by him donating those other lots to offset that cost it doesn't directly reimburse the city or the cip fund for that but it obviously um gives lot stock to those non-for-profits which um i think we would all agree upon is a good thing but i just want to clarify a side effect of that is it's going to raise his lot costs approximately 10,600 bucks for each lot and that's going to make his his ability to make affordable market rate housing more difficult and so we're we're competing with the the, the market for this stuff and I just want to clarify that because I've heard people make comments before in the past about um, new construction is too expensive, and they're not supporting new construction because it's it's servicing 400,000 plus, you know, 300, 400, 500,000 plus homes, but we're contributing to some of those costs, and in this case, it would be 10,600 bucks a unit, which is significant, and so I just want people to kind of understand that um, when we we give here and we take there that the, the market has to absorb that cost, and we we can't punish builders and developers for only hitting certain price points Mm -hmm.
0: okay i think edith do you you have your hand up go ahead
10: yeah i just want to ask a question and i i i probably missed this have we been clear that cip funds are the same cycle as nofo are, are, are CIP funds in the same cycle? Has that been real made real clear? Mm-mm. Well, yes. So when we talk about out, out of cycle, <clears throat> is it clear that they're in the same cycle?
3: Out of our cycle.
0: So they're not, there's a CIP process that runs every year that the city runs. We have nothing to do with it. Other than if we had a project like this, we could endorse the project is essentially what I understand, and I could be not understanding correctly. So, and then our NOFO process is separate from that. So what I was saying is he could apply for both. He would never get get both, but he could apply through both processes if he chose to.
9: Yes, the CIP process will start, actually it's ongoing right now. It's about ready to kind of go through its formal review here very soon with the city commission and as part of its process members of the public can submit cip projects for consideration that were scored and and can be taken up and looked at as a review on that one so anybody can submit a project to the cip for review and scoring but what it does is it takes all the programs that are asked for and scores them out so you know it goes in with the same things as other large purchases fire trucks water towers um, okay. Probably something else I'm forgetting. So it is they're not in sync with the NOFO process, typically. There's a chance up there.
1: It wasn't there uh, a certain amount of CIP funding that, that AHAB is uh, uh, allowed to allocate?
0: I don't think we get to allocate that. I think we can, it was kind of recommend- earmarked, if you will, and they said you, we can make recommendations for projects that would Im- impact affordable housing is the way I understood it but we're not we don't actually control any of those CIP dollars
9: the, in tip, yeah. Yes, typically. And there's also some very stipulations around how the CIP dollars can be spent because it has to be based upon what was put into the CIP. So if you said you were going to spend it for widgets, you have to spend it for widgets. You can't just then spend it on uh, right. jelly beans. I'm, I'm make, I'm, we're getting into lunch, so I'm going to <laughs> food here. Sorry.
0: So this kind of fits into that because his prod, the, the work he wants done, which is a city infrastructure falls into what you would classically call CIP dollars. Whereas if someone was building an apartment complex and building a vertical asset, that would not be an applicable CIP project necessarily.
9: Correct, typically CIP projects are projects that would be owned or operated by the city or something that we would have for in perpetuity, like a street or a sewer pipe or something like that.
1: Erica's been waiting. But so just oh, to clarify, we we can't actually award him anything for his letter, but we could endorse him in his request for the
7: CIP funds.
0: Essentially. I think Eric has been waiting. You're good? Okay. Just wanna make sure you didn't we didn't miss you.
7: So I have a question. Which is if he makes a conventional no foe, but it's not his property. That's what I was given to understand, that, that it is not his property. Can we grant him funds for something that is to be built on property he doesn't own?
0: The city would probably own that because it's in a city right away.
7: Understood. So So
0: what we get in so, exchange is the, are the lots in that development. That's what you uh, get so, back.
7: So from the NOFO, can funds be dispersed? not to the person making the application but instead to the city because the person making the application i mean that's i I think it has to go through cip as opposed to going through nofo
9: there
1: are this work yeah but if he came through nofo essentially he's requesting money for those lots so it would almost be like he's requesting that the ahab buys these lots from him for uh, habitat and tenants to homeowners because it, essentially it just be in a
7: semantics at that point. Well, except that without having the improvement done, right? Without the infrastructure there, then it, I mean, and, and perhaps the city would say we will trade, we'll make this exchange here. I think it has to be, I think it has to go through CIP.
9: The one thing I'll note, just because I know we're running really short on time and you'll have a, a lot of agenda there, is that developers will typically have to provide what's called public improvement plans. So how are those streets and sewers and water lines being built to a city standard? The city won't take them over until those projects are built and then inspected by us to ensure they meet the city standard. And Then at that point, we will take them over so it
0: the is city isn't building it the developer is going to build it and then dedicate grant it dedicate it to the city correct it so would still so, go through him
9: okay there's a little there's a little nuance in there it's hiding okay. all,
0: all right. right
4: when i look through our scoring matrix of things like you know, do you control the property you know, so, you know how many units does this mm. you know f- directly fund cip projects or infrastructure projects don't fit in our nofo very well um if I think this is a project I'd like to have us talking about, but I don't want to talk about any project outside of what is the process that's available to everybody, in this case for CIP. And I do not have a, a solid understanding of what the process is that AHAB has uh, for CIP projects. If it's just a question of uh, endorsing a project to the to the City Commission for their regular CIP process um, that anybody can ask, and we have one uh looks like a decent project that has asked, mm-hmm. I don't see why we wouldn't say, yes, this forwards the goals of affordable housing, unless this was not a process available to others, and it's only been in, you know, available to somebody. I, I'm i just confused what the process is, and if I'm confused, others probably are too, which is probably slowing down people asking us for help.
2: This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. To add some clarity, hopefully, um, just a reminder that There's city CIP funds, which Jeff explained, anybody, any member of the public can put in an application that goes out to the whole community for a CIP project. The Affordable Housing Advisory Board. So I submitted a CIP application on behalf of the Ahab that was awarded funds for 2024 and 2025. At the, I believe it was at the April Ahab meeting. Um, sorry, let me back up. Um, the allocations were 380000 in 2024 and 120000 in 2025 for a total of 500000 that the Ahab had um, the authority to provide recommendations on for a CIP project supporting affordable housing. I believe it was the April AHAB meeting, the AHAB uh, moved to um, combine all of the AHAB CIP funds to 2025. So, And that the AHAB would determine the process for an open, transparent, and equitable application project for CIP projects um, to be awarded in 2025. So I, I hope that provides a little bit of clarity. The reason that it's not entirely clear is that the AI still needs to determine what that process is, and we have about a year to work through that. And in fact, I believe CIP Ahab project is going to be on the next agenda, or the one after to discuss.
11: Uh, Nicholas, Ward, tenants to homeowners. So this is so really we're we've been having this conversation for a year and a half about the SOLB development. This would be an application. Then the way that things currently stand, if it's going through the affordable housing uh, trust fund dollars, that this could be made as a formal application in twenty-four to be awarded in twenty-five. Right now, um, or it could be presented as a regular CIP uh, budget item. But that still would then, um, if if awarded, would not be awarded until twenty-four. Then, if it's going through CIP, either way, okay.
2: Yeah.
3: Mr. Chairman, I, I don't know everything I need to know about this project, but I know enough to know that I think it's something I would like to see again in an application under our authority, and I'd also like to endorse um, his help in uh, making the CIP application and letting that process run its course as well. So, I'd like to see this again.
0: All right. Um, so, I think to try to wrap this up in the next five minutes, um, are we in agreement that we, we, we there's some interest in the project and that we'd like to see it in a formal application, whether that's the CIP application or the NOFO, that'd be up to the applicant to choose. Or both. Or both. Uh, is that a fair summary of our
7: conversation? <laughs> I would say there's another element, which is that one of the members of our board, uh-huh. and I would not disagree, uh, would like clarification on the legal issues, on the litigation, on the... I yeah. want to make, make a comment about that.
3: Basically, this board's doing title work. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm confused here. Um, I know a little bit about that neighbor, and I have a personal opinion about all that, and that's a fight between property owners, and mm-hmm. I don't want to settle those. So,
7: I, if I, I don't think we're trying to settle them. I think we're just trying to gain information for, uh, because it was a it was a sticking point within the application.
0: And they could they could probably address that in the next application. Yeah. We can make them certainly aware that that's a concern and they should address it up to them whether they do it.
4: Was there also the option of endorsing, as a body, endorsing this uh, CIP request if it goes to the city, through the city's CIP process? Because that seems like something that if if Ahab has kind of courted this Mm -hmm. idea for a year and a half, uh, it seems like there is enough interest in putting our weight behind that for the city. Uh, Everything else is a long ways down the line, and we need units now. uh, And this is the possibility of bringing in uh, you know, five of uh, five, five for the, the, the housing, five lots for the housing trust fund, right. as well as um, 51 units of supply.
9: Yeah. Okay. And when the CIP does go forward, it does go forward with public comment and letters attached to it, so it, that would not be an uncommon item.
0: Yeah, so next month at our meeting, we'll talk about wh- how we want to carry out our CIP process and recommendations.
4: And we have time before the city's CIP process. Meet again and set on a list. No, this is Leah Roslin, Affordable
2: Housing Administrator. Um, it, f- Jeff, it looks to me like the CIP applications are closed for consideration of the twenty-four budget. Is that incorrect? Are they still accepting applications?
9: It, it may be. I don't know off top of my head. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. See.
2: Um, it, this is Leah, sorry, and, and just one other um, note is that the AHAB did send this to the city commission when it was originally, when SOLB originally applied through the regular NOFO process, um, the AHAB decided not to fund through the trust fund awards, but did make a recommendation to the city commission that it was funded through either general operating funds or CIP funds, and at that time the commission declined. but.
0: In fact, this is probably start. the impetus for us getting the CIP dollars, mm-hmm. you know, allocated to this board to rank
11: recommendations on at that time. So, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, so, real quick, Nicholas Ward, Tennessee Homemakers. Just going to say um, uh, also, with what Christina's bringing up and what's been mentioned, I think it's, it is important. I mean, the city's in litigation all the time, right, and we're doing things, but it's um, important to know just what the nature of it is. Not that everything needs to be detailed out, but just it's a, it's a flag that, you know, just what's the deal. Um, and then I think uh, hopefully more things come to us like this there's lots that we're not running out of infill necessarily there's little one off lots all over the place, um, but there's going to be big pockets of land that need a road to them um, and you know th- we're going to need a way to do that and if it's on the developer fully to put in that public infrastructure we're going to be seeing housing prices of five six hundred thousand dollars and if we want to get it down we're going to have to commit to some of that infrastructure, even though it's kind of a roundabout way, and this might be one of those um, conversations, again, if you take it back to the, the formation and structure of boards, where it's good to know the whole picture, instead of saying, oh, this person plans to give us five houses at market rate lot costs, so they're just selling us lots, is that You might not prioritize that but when you see that it's putting in needed infrastructure that could potentially connect other things at some point and um, that it's bringing those other 51 units that we need for market rate housing that factors in a little bit in a way that might not factor in if you didn't have the whole picture there all right
2: this is Leah Rosen, Affordable Housing Minister. I apologize for interjecting, but I just wanted to note that the deadline for submitting 2024 CIP request was March 2023. So we have missed the deadline for 2024, but could work with some on a 2025 application, either through the AHAB or through the city.
0: All right, so we will talk about this more. <laughs> I don't think we're doing anything at this point. It's 1 o'clock. All right um we have quick updates is there anything there leah that uh we need to get quick update on before we go
2: this is leah roslin affordable housing administrator we do have one quick update from um, ms guffey okay
10: ah yes i will thank you um edith guffey member at large until the end of this meeting. Uh, I do wanna announce that this is my last meeting. I have uh, turned my resignation into Mayor Larson. I told her in May, Um, I am not angry or anything like that. Uh, I just know that your uh, important meeting in November well, you will be awarding trust, uh, trust fund grants, I will be out of the country. And you know how important that meeting is. And I felt it was wise for me to resign now so that the mayor could have the opportunity to appoint uh, someone new to fill this at-large position and that they could be well integrated uh, into the meeting by then uh, and fully participate in that meeting. Uh, I understand it was my resignation I am the other than Christina there will be one person of color left on this board and I hope that the mayor uh, I'm sure she understands the importance of a diverse board and that she will take the opportunity to fill the seat with another person of color I've enjoyed working with you all I have learned a tremendous amount and know that I will still be cheering you on um, from um, Australia where I will be in November thank you so much for the opportunity to serve.
0: Lucky. Thank you, Edith. You'll be greatly missed. And, <laughs> yeah, and specifically, thank you for co-chairing for a couple years, and I've really enjoyed our time together during that, so. Okay, with that, uh, we can be adjourned. Cool. Thank you. Thank
2: you all. Thank you so much, Edith. We'll miss you. Thank you, Edith.